The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, emerging perspectives on people, process, and profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Hi, Olivia here. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, where each week we explore new perspectives on the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the world, and with a special emphasis on what I feel is our most valuable asset, our human capital. And today, I'm very excited to have as my guest, Amy Edelstein, and we'll be discussing mindfulness in the workplace Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Amy. She teaches Mindfulness for Wellness, an evolutionary perspective on culture and generational characteristics that challenge employee communications. Her programs include year-long courses, small group in-depth facilitation, individual coaching, and course design. A Cornell University College scholar Amy also has 30 years of experience teaching, and she did HR and placement work for Silicon Valley tech companies at the dawn of the Internet age and founded an award-winning SEO copywriting business in 2002. So, Amy, welcome to Quantum Business Insights. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. So I know I say this quite often on my show, but it bears repeating that the combination of advances in technology, the pace of change, globalization, it's creating a lot of stress in the workplace. And this means we're working harder, longer hours, doing more tasks than a decade ago, and facing huge changes as technology continues to rewrite rules of how we do business, basically from conception to production to marketing all the way through to distribution. So all the rungs of the corporate ladder, it seems like we're doing two, three, four jobs and our own, our team. We're doing juggling work life, home care, child and elder care. And this has a direct effect on productivity and profits in the long run. So there's a real need for employees to find tools that can help them stay centered and calm and inspired. And I personally love the practice of mindfulness as a tool. But for our listeners, can you define mindfulness and tell us the origin of these techniques? I'd be happy to. Uh, Mindfulness is a practice of focus where we take something immediate and um, easy to pay attention to, like the breath. Everybody breathes. It's a universal phenomena. It doesn't require any particular philosophical perspective, dogmatic outlook. Um, You can be at any level of the corporate ladder. You can come from any ethnic background. We all breathe. 
And the practice of mindfulness takes our attention, puts it on something as simple and basic as the breath, which allows us to focus, let go of repetitive cycles of thought and worry, and to drop into a part of ourselves where we can experience a sense of spaciousness and perspective on whatever we might be experiencing and feeling. It doesn't remove stress. It doesn't remove external challenges. It doesn't solve our problems for us. But what it does do is it, is it works with our capacities for concentration and focus to create a sense of distance, positive distance and objectivity on our surroundings, and that enables us to let go of negative thought patterns. It enables us to approach problems freshly. It enables us to take a deep breath before we react to our coworker, our subordinate, or our boss in ways that won't be constructive. Hmm. That's so interesting. So what are the origins of this practice? Mindfulness practice in the way that it's, it's working right now in the, in the corporate world was very much uh, a, an advancement or contemporary reframing of an ancient uh, practice that was developed by Siddhartha Gautama in about oh, a little over 2,000 years ago. So mm. it was the, the Pal, in, in Pali, they call it Anapanasati, which is the practice of focusing on the breath. It's a practice of being mindful in the present. Its, uh, its origins are in Buddhism, but it, it's also similar practices are found in almost every one of the great wisdom traditions. You don't need to be a Buddhist to practice this. Mm-hmm. What we commonly refer to as MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, was developed by John Kabat-Zinn and others starting at UMass Medical Center in the center of Massachusetts, in 1979. And John Kabat-Zinn and others have been working for the last 35 years with uh, medical programs to measure, document, and analyze the effect of this mindfulness technique on uh, lowering illness that comes out of stress. And it's been very effective. And there have been medical studies done at UMass, at UC San Diego, UCLA, uh, UPenn in Philadelphia, as well as uh, a lot of other um, academic and research-based studies. So what John Kabat-Zinn and others have done is introduced this ancient practice into our contemporary Western lifestyle and also applied a scientific lens on it to see how it works, what it works for, and what we can expect from it. Oh, that's great, because I think a lot of people have a hard time believing things until it's scientifically proven. Um, But for me, on a day-to-day basis, I've gotten a lot better at using this tool, but a story that I have, and I'm guessing many of my listeners have as well, is... Well, I just don't have time for this. I have too much to do. So what would you tell someone like that? Oh, well, I, I can appreciate that. Um, it's a beautiful practice. My first introduction to this practice was in 1982. And 
and by 1985, I, I, I had completed a number of 10- and 20-day retreats and also a 90-day intensive mm. practice of mindfulness of doing about 14 or 16 hours a day for 90 days. Um, mm. and, well, so it, it, it's something that you can do in five minutes. It's something that you can establish a foundation for it. Most people say they don't have time to do it, and I can really appreciate that. I just finished teaching uh, in a a very busy uh, media uh, company in Philadelphia that produces a monthly magazine. They're always on deadline. Mm-hmm. Salespeople are on deadline one week, and editorials on deadline another week, and and churning out. Um, they they actually publish about six different publications, including a large one for the city of Boston and a large one for the city of Philadelphia. So they are they are really stressed. And mm-hmm. one of our last sessions there, one of one of the managing edit and the managing editor is always the one who has to review all the final changes. Came in. And they could come in for half-hour segments. And she came to both half-hour segments. She said, I am so stressed. I have so little time. I need to be here for both sessions. Wow. So my my experience is it makes me more efficient when I go back to work. Is that kind of one of the benefits of it? It's more efficient, and, and, and it gives us a sense of well-being. We all mm. perform better when we have a sense of well-being when we feel that we can do it, when we have that sense of inner support, that things, that there's space, that there are possibilities. We might not have come across them yet, but we can discover them. There might be another workaround. When we feel so stressed and we've seen the same solutions go across our mind's eye over and over and over again, we just start to feel deflated. And when we feel deflated, we don't operate at our best. Are, are, we don't we don't come up with creative solutions. We don't um, we're not open to to suggestions to input that might make the world of difference. So this is this sense of ease and well being. While it doesn't erase the stress, it gives us an awareness that there's more to life and our own capacities than we're probably seeing at that particular moment. And just knowing that, even if we can't see anything different, just knowing that there's more to us and more to um, the world and possibilities before us than meets the eye enables us to take a deep breath and lean in and approach whatever we're working on freshly. Yeah, and I've actually read that people, they've put electrodes on people meditating and they're accessing different parts of the brain. And I would think, too, that this would actually perhaps open up neural pathways for people to get newer ideas or see things differently. Is that a fair statement? I think it is. They've been doing a lot of research at MIT. Um, They've worked with lay people. They've worked with people and mindfulness research studies, and they've worked with some of the Dalai Lama's uh, senior monks from his monastery mapping um, long-term meditators, and they are trying to marry neuroscience, productivity, and the practice of, of mindfulness meditation. There's some, mm-hmm. there's some really interesting results. It's very new. I mean, they've been researching this for the last 
kind of 15 years. So it, it, there's a lot that's been discovered, and I think we'll learn more about it. The fact that it does touch and stimulate and, and cause different parts of our brain to react is important mm-hmm. um, because you can see that there's, there, is, there is also a physiological basis to this. But I think the takeaway for people really is that if we give ourselves a little bit of space to be present, we will experientially feel the difference. So whether somebody at the MIT Research Lab is mapping some some different change in in the brain's um, physiology and and electrical impulses is fine, but we will actually experience a benefit, and it's not not imaginary. Mm -hmm. Uh, The CEO of Aetna Health System has been practicing mindfulness, introducing it across his entire company, it's being adopted at very well-established, um, conservatively run organizations with a good effect. And, and I think that's, in a sense, that's all we really need to know to try it. We're not talking about a philosophy or a dogma or if practices that are more esoteric than watching our breath or watching sensation or focusing on the immediacy of our environment around us. It, it, it's that fundamental and universal. Yeah, it reminds me of that saying, we're not human doings, we're human beings. <laughs> we need to spend more time just being. <laughs> and I find it fascinating that the CEO of Aetna is working with this because imagine if they actually inspired their policyholders by giving them credit to go do meditation training. I would think it would cut their health healthcare bills, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, heart disease is a huge cost. I think one of the number one, if not the number one killer and expensive to care for people. And I, w- I would think that stress reduction through this technique would, would be a way for insurance companies to save a lot of money. Have you ever heard them mention anything like that? Or is that still sort they of They do offer there? it. Some, some of the large insurance companies, um, I don't want to mention them by name because I I know individual policies change, but a lot of the major insurance companies, particularly the ones in cities that are tied with university-run mindfulness-based programs, offer uh, wellness credits and also Mm. discounted programs and rebates for this type of training. It's that effective. Wow. So we, we just have about two minutes before the break. Have you read any research where people have been able to go off medications that they're using maybe anti-anxiety or antidepressants? Has there been any research there? There is research on that, yes. Again, I wouldn't want to cite that. Um, if you mm-hmm. have show notes, I'd be happy to uh, send send you to some research studies that you could provide for your listeners if they want to see some of the evidence-based um, oh, research okay. that's been done. Yeah. And I could perhaps even just write a blog and refer to that. That's great. Mm. Um, well, so, you know, I can imagine people, and I kind of referred to this earlier. Oh, actually, let's go to break now because this could be a, a long topic. Um, 
So, again, let me just reintroduce my guest is Amy Edelston, and we are talking about mindfulness in the workplace, and we'll be back in a few minutes. the market's up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network have you friended us on facebook yet why not just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rudd. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, Olivia here. I'm back with my guest, Amy Edelstein, and we're talking about mindfulness in the workplace. And before the break, we kind of gave some overview of what mindfulness is, how it's just really trying to stay present in the moment, um, sort of shut out our thoughts, kind of get present and we can follow the breath or focus on things that just take us sort of into a calmer state. And so I was curious, Amy, if you've had any personal experiences where mindfulness has really helped you. I definitely have, Olivia, and I'd be happy to tell our, our listeners about one probably the most dramatic experience I've had. I've been practicing some forms of mindfulness for 30 years, and it's helped me in many ways. I mean, it really has helped give me a sense of depth and spaciousness. But like everyone, I was wondering, you know, does this really... Is this really useful? You, you go through, you know, you, you develop a habit of it, and you go through moments of, you know, where you really feel inspired. You go through moments, you know, periods where you feel less inspired, and you keep doing it. And you wonder, is this really worthwhile? It's interesting. It's it seems valuable. But I really found 
that what it a repeated practice and it can be short periods of time or long periods of time, but repeated practice, we're cultivating a different habit of identification and we're cultivating a relationship to thought and feeling, which is something that we're not trained by our culture. We're trained to go with our thoughts. We're trained to go with our feelings. I was, uh, I used to live in, in Western Massachusetts in, in the country, in the Berkshires, and I was traveling back from working in Manhattan and driving home from the commuter rail. But it was it was about six o'clock. It was drizzling, country road. It was that time that that in between time between day and night where everything is it's a little bit blurry, a little bit gray, and very hard to see. And I was. I'm a careful driver and a good driver, and I was driving quite slowly because there are speed traps everywhere there. And mm-hmm. as I was, been, all of a sudden, the next thing I knew, I was crushed in my car with <sighs> blood you know, streaming down my face, my mouth full of glass. I couldn't move. The whole front of my car was crushed into my chest. I couldn't feel my feet. I had no idea what had happened. Mm-hmm. And I leaned, I, I, I looked out the window because I was, I was actually crushed in a way that I was facing out the window and somebody was, was walking towards me, running towards me, and I said, can you help me? And basically I had had a head-on collision with an 18-wheel tractor trailer. Oh my gosh. And it was one of those moments where, you know, you, you almost feel like there are, you shouldn't really have survived. <laughs> and, you know, when I was there, when I was, I, although I was completely crushed and I didn't know how badly injured I was, at least I was conscious and able to speak. I didn't know if my neck was broken, if my back was broken, and I couldn't. I had so much pain in my lower body that I didn't know if, you know, my feet were still there or not. And I was really going in and out of uh, unbelievable pain and fear, of course. Uh, And it was this tiny little town, and before I knew it, there were about 30 people around me. And they were trying to get me out of the car, and they, you know, they have these things called the jaws of life, and they start cutting, they start cutting the car like a tin can. And every time they would clip this car with these big things, it would jolt, and and mm. it was it would just send these, you know, sensations through my body that were were pretty intense. And I felt my consciousness going in and out of hysteria and clarity, and I could feel um, the concern and focus and attention of everybody around me, and they were really beautiful. I mean, the EMTs were like angels, and all the townspeople were there. They were really um, just so caring and um, attentive and urgent, and then I could feel the, the fear and the pain pulling me into... A, a, a kind of feeling that I 
was just ready to let go into a negative overwhelm. That's a justifiable situation. You're there, you're crushed, you're, you, you know, you're, you're experiencing all these horrible sensations. It's kind of justifiable to let go into hysteria emotionally. And because of my meditation practice, I could see these things going on. And I, it was, I mean, it didn't take any time, but I was aware that I could make one choice, which was just to stay present. Mm. To know that I was in a serious situation, but to stay present, to stay with what was happening, to stay connected with everyone who is there. Or mm. I could let go of control like a two-year-old who lets go into temper tantrum and just get, um, just get lost in my own overwhelm. Yeah. And that was because of the power of meditation. I really felt at that point that, I'm, that I had a choice to make. And mm. one would keep me present and focused and able to assist and respond and be connected with all these people who were trying to help me. The other wouldn't. I wouldn't be available. I felt mm-hmm. that was completely unfair to do. They were helping me. How could I remove myself? And also I felt that I had done so much mindfulness practice throughout my life that if this really was going to be my last moment where I was conscious, where I was able to speak, because I really didn't know how badly injured I was, if that was going to be my last moment, I wanted it to be one that expressed a dignity Mm. and a a relationship to life that I had been cultivating. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah, so I made the choice, and I've, I never, I, I mean, I had incredibly good care, and, and I was very fortunate, but I never felt victimized or regretted anything that happened from that moment mm. on, because I was conscious and present and able to be there to the best of my ability. Yeah, and I imagine if you hadn't had that practice you couldn't have just done it then. Um, it was good you... I mean, that would be the time, I think, that would be so important to use it because mm-hmm. you're probably going to be healthier. Well, you're going to do your body a favor by not getting stressed, right? Keeps your blood pressure down. And, you know, all those things could be life or death at that moment, right? Right. And we all have extreme situations, whether it's that moment in the boardroom when you're furious and everything's falling apart, and you just want to get angry, you just want to let go, Mm -hmm. or, you know, you just got some terrible news, somebody in your family's ill, and yet you have to present something that nobody cares what your experience is Mm -hmm. and what's going on in your life, and you have to be there. We know that the work world makes incredible demands on us. Mm -hmm. And how are we going to find the resources to be able to be true to what's happening in our experience. They're all, you know, maybe we're angry about something or maybe there's a crisis happening that's not not appropriate to bring to work. We need to be present with it all. How do we cultivate the space to do that and the, the awareness and the habit to be able to choose what's appropriate and how to respond? Mm-hmm. And that's what mindfulness does. Wow. Well, so you mentioned the boardroom. When you work with people with this practice, 
are there, can you do it in a boardroom or do you have to go out on a retreat or like, what are some places you've worked with people in organizations and, you know, are there pros and cons to different approaches? Well, retreat is, you, you definitely don't have to go anywhere to practice this. If you did, then it wouldn't ultimately help us prepare for the situations that we're in all the time. At the mm-hmm. same time, please don't practice this when you're driving. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and if you have small children or, you know, other, other things that really need your focused attention, there are ways to practice mindfulness that don't remove you from your immediate uh, surroundings. I, I teach in boardrooms, looking mm. out from the 36th floor over an urban landscape with all the noises and intensity of of the corporate workroom behind and i also teach retreats mm-hmm. so going you can do 5 minutes at your desk you can do half an hour in your boardroom you can have a space you know we have our our snack areas and our coffee machine areas we can create um quiet areas that mm-hmm. are for um, moments of mindfulness for employees to go and just have a little space, be able to turn off their cell phones for five minutes and be mm-hmm. able to recharge and recenter. Yeah. Some people find it valuable to go away and do a training. There are, there are trainings um, in, in most cities. I offer trainings both in person and, and virtually. Uh, via mm-hmm. webcast or conference call. So you can also do extended training. So you get, you get a kickstart on this. So if you go back to the workplace, you can do five minutes or 15 minutes and feel like it's worth it and, and you know what you're doing. Mm. And I've heard that doing this is equivalent to napping but much more efficient. Is, is that something you've heard as well? I was on Friday at one of the trainings I was giving um, the the head of that division. She she walked out and she said, because she walked in at the beginning, she said, "I feel like I need a nap. I am so stressed." And she walked <laughs> out after the fifteen minute session, and she was beaming. And she said, "I feel like I just slept eight hours on the beach." Wow. Okay. Well, that answers that question. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. And so I could even see if you have an, work in an office someplace, you could just shut the door, maybe put a sign out, do not disturb and meditate or practice mm-hmm. mindfulness for five minutes and have the rest of the day with lots of energy. Well, that's right. And, and it, it does, it has this mysterious capacity to, to recharge us. It, it won't take away our ills. And... Mm-hmm. and I, I want people to know that um, part of our ability to benefit from mindfulness practice is our own willingness to let the stress go. We can see how to let it go with mindfulness practice. We develop space on our thoughts. It's a little bit like, you know, if you if you have a telescope and you put it on the highest magnification the moon feels like it's right up in your face. Mm-hmm. And if you take the telescope away, all of a sudden the moon is like way far in the distance. 
and it occupies a small space of the sky. That's what mindfulness does. It gives us a perspective. It gives us distance on our thoughts so we're Mm. not overwhelmed. Interesting. Well, we've got about two minutes to the next break. Um, And, yeah, you kind of talked about letting go. So what if somebody said, well, you know, don't we need to deal with problems that that confront us directly, like how would you answer somebody that just feels like they can never take time to let go like that? We want to deal with our problems to, from the, the heights of our capacities and the depths of our wisdom. Mm. We don't want to deal with problems, you know, from, you know, it's like when you have a rubber band and you stretch it too tight, one little bit more and it'll break. That's not the best condition to deal with, especially serious problems. Yes, we we really want to we really want to have all of our faculties available and and activated. We want to be able to respond from the best of ourselves, and the, and the mm-hmm. more serious, the more that rides on that problem, the more we need it. Yeah, I've often had this experience, also, especially before I started practicing mindfulness where I would make a a quick decision and then when I was more rested I would think oh I wish I had chosen differently so it sounds like what you're saying is this will give us the capacity to make better decisions on the fly because we won't be coming from our say our amygdala or you know our reptile brain will actually be more integrated and and perhaps relaxed is that Definitely. I mean, how many of us have a time delay on the e- on the emails we send? <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be smart? Somebody should create an <laughs> app that just makes it wait five, I don't know, a minute. So if you have any yeah, regrets. Yeah, 30 seconds. <laughs> Do I really want to say that that way? Is that a really a good idea? Right. That's what mindfulness can do. Oh, Beautiful. Well, so believe it or not, we're up on our second break. This is just such a fun conversation. Um, my guest today is Amy Edelstein. We're talking about mindfulness at work. You can get more information about Amy's offerings and information at www.amyedelstein.com. That's A-M-Y-E-D-E-L-S-T-E-I-N.com. And we'll be right back. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. If you think you've seen online TV before, 
Let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, Olivia here. I'm back with my guest, Amy Edelstein, and we're talking about mindfulness in the workplace. And before the break, we were talking about some of the challenges in the corporate world, as well as the great experience that you shared about using it in a moment of personal stress but in the workplace what's been your biggest surprise how people have received mindfulness in the corporate world my biggest surprise has been that fewer people have tried it than i would have thought Mm -hmm. when city card came out with uh, an advertising image of a, a woman meditating some years ago, I basically assumed that everyone had tried it. Oh, funny. Yeah. And also, since everyone does yoga and Pilates and um, every Whole Foods offers some kind of event, I thought that more people would have experimented with it. And it's really still quite uncommon. And mm. and it's more, you know, it's uncommon among all age groups. In my experience in the corporate world, it's actually more common among um, the sort of 50 to 60 demographic to have, exper- have experimented with meditation than the younger generation. The I want- 20 to 30 uh, demographic has, has tried it less. Do you know whether in the 50 to 60 demographic they were exposed to TM many years ago because that got really popular, I think, back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's, I think that's one of them. And, and I think uh, TM has made a comeback now. They have a lot of programs for at-risk uh, youth and children in schools. They have some good programs for grade school age. Uh, which mm-hmm. is interesting, um, and I think they're also doing some corporate work. I don't know where people's experience comes from. I usually there there are a wide range of options, but it did surprise me. So if if your listeners are among you know if you find yourself among those people who have you know you read about meditation in Time magazine, you've <laughs> heard about it from Ariana Huffington. You, you've seen advertisements uh, for whether it's a spa or a credit card of people meditating, and you haven't tried it. You're among the majority of people. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
although it's becoming more and more common, and we have a, a senator, Tim Ryan, who wrote a book called The Mindful Nation, and he's, he's, um, committed to, he's actually brought mindfulness into the Senate. <laughs> so that's a very Whoa. good example. Oh I mean, Maybe there's hope for Congress. I know, let's put him on retreat for, see if we can solve some of the bickering. But, um, um, and he's brought it into uh, veterans' work and work with post-traumatic stress syndrome and schools, and and he's a big advocate. But really, not that many people have. It's still relatively relatively un um, common. So I want to really encourage everyone to really try experiment with it. Um, look for a local program. Contact me and see what I can do for your workplace or what I can recommend, you know, and Mm -hmm. there are a lot of different ways to work it. There are online programs, there are local programs, there are, you know, intensives. And, and I, I really, that was my biggest surprise that I just thought it was much more common because we're starting to see it so much in the media Mm -hmm. and it's still for early adopters. And if you're among those who are curious and you want to you want to give it um, a try, I would really encourage you. And don't feel that you feel that there's an, there are enough people who've done this in the corporate world that it's um, the programs have worked out a lot of the kinks, and it's um, it, it, it's going to be well received. I've, all of my programs have been incredibly well received. People have been so enthusiastic, so appreciative. When I come in, usually the receptionist says, oh, you're the talk of the town. Everyone was saying, I'm going today. I really want to go to that today. And, <laughs> and you know, we get a lot of positive feedback because people feel that it's not an imposition and it, it addresses something in a very gentle way that they didn't believe there was hope to, to address. And it gives people hope again that they can get in charge of their lives in a way that, that people, and their work, work lives as well as personal lives, but they can, they can become, they can be on top of their, the demands on them rather than the demands being on top of them and ruling their lives. And that's a really big shift, and it's one that I feel we, we want to implement across the board sooner rather than later. Well, I could even see it being a, a competitive advantage. And I think it was Patricia Aberdeen. I know I saw this quote mm-hmm. years ago where I think she said something like, if meditation could be packaged at a so- as a software, it would be the best-selling software in the world or something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, as in addition to helping the people in the company, it could also have a positive effect on the bottom line, I would think. Um, Definitely. And, and maybe, they, have done, they have done some studies where um, companies who implement mindfulness programs and wellness programs have less sick days, that mm. they they show less uh, work related stress illnesses. Um, they show uh, a lower incidence of employee uh, conflict and lower incidences wow. of job dissatisfaction. So right there, that translates into dollars. 
Mm-hmm. And and we know from recent research that it's the employee, the cost of the employee is going up because jobs are so technical now that most of the linear processes can be automated or outsourced and the employees now are just more valuable. So if they get sick or are in conflict, that's going to cost the company even more. So that's really mm-hmm. encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how about leading us through a short practice? Would you be? Would you like to do that? I'd be happy to. Okay. So for all of you listeners, if you're driving, please don't do this. <laughs> and you can always download it later and experiment when you're sitting. Um, but for everyone else, sit in a comfortable position with your back straight but relaxed, and uncross your legs and, and keep your feet kind of planted gently on the floor in front of you. You can close your eyes if you want. You can leave your eyes open if they're open. Just allow your eyes to rest on a spot on the floor a few feet in front of you so there's no strain. You're not looking at anything in particular. And I will talk you through a short couple-minute meditation. So to start with, let your gaze focus inward. Allow the tension to fall away from your face and your neck and your back. Sit back into yourself. It doesn't matter what you're thinking. Whatever thought arises isn't an obstacle to this practice. Begin to experience a sense of stillness and focus and presence and now put your attention on the in-breath and the out-breath. Let your breath be at the rhythm that it is and put your attention at the tip of your nose And see if you can discern the very gentle sensation of the air going in and then the air going out. See if you can feel the brush of the air on the inside of your nose. You may find that you're breathing slower than you thought. Notice the difference in temperature of your out-breath.
Keep your attention relaxed. Let go of any strain. If you get distracted by sounds or things you remember you need to do, let them go for now and put your attention back on the sensation of the breath going in and the breath going out. And on the next breath, we'll bring this short guided meditation to a close. You can open your eyes. And as you bring your awareness back, take a quick scan of yourself and see if you don't feel a little bit more space a little bit more depth, and a little bit more stillness. Even if you're still, even if your mind was full of thoughts. So, Olivia, how do you feel? (laughs) That was so interesting, beautiful, thank you. I was felt like I was drawn right into it and then my mind is saying well you know I'm hosting the show can I really not think and I just allowed myself to go with it and I do feel so much more relaxed and as I said I do practice this but I tend to do it in the morning and at night and I think I'm going to start doing it before each show I think it'll really help (laughs) you know even what was it like two or three minutes we did uh, I definitely felt a difference. Mm-hmm. So, thank you. You're yeah. Um, and as I mentioned before the break, Amy w- works with people doing coaching. So um, check out her website. It's on my host page or amyedelstein.com. So thank you. Um, so my goal in this show is to help people that work for companies to find ways, holistic ways, ways that help people, um, you know, to kind of make the corporate world better. And I think it'll be more profitable, but I think the real benefit is we'll have a better, happier workforce, society, globe, all that. So what do you, what's your vision for the corporate workplace? My vision for the corporate workplace is that it becomes a place where we all feel that we're proud of our time there, where mm-hmm. we feel like the, the depths of our creativity and capacities are expressed in the quality of work we do, in the people that we serve, and in the, the kind of relationships and, and um, team building that occurs in the workplace. I think it's possible for us in the corporate workplace to really model a a type of interrelatedness 
that is really a, a wholesome and forward-looking uh, example of ways that human beings can be with each other. And we spend so much time there, and so many of us um, are part of the corporate world that I, I want to see all of us feeling like our lives are really meaningful and that what we're doing, not just what we're building, but also what we're building, but what we're doing together and how we're doing it is mm-hmm. a model for the future, and it's a better model. Yeah, it seems like it could translate into even our society. So people who learn to cooperate at work might be able to take it home to their communities or their families or maybe even to politics. I mean, wouldn't that be a, a great outcome from this? Definitely. So we have about a minute and a half. Any any final thoughts uh, you'd like to share Maybe some of the things that you, um, you're planning for the future, for your business, or, you know, things for ways people might want to use your services? Mm-hmm. Well, my, my plans are constantly expanding and developing and creating. And I'm, I'm really creating more and more innovative programs to bring um, this, practice and training to a lot of different environments and a lot of different workplaces. So the traditional mindfulness training often requires a two-hour commitment. That's often what you'll get if you go to one of the large medical centers. You have you know, two hours at a time, and that is just a lot for people to commit to, you know, an evening a week for eight or ten weeks. I'm also offering 15-minute Segments for people who say they really can't get away. So I'll show up on site, and you can come for a fifteen-minute segment. I'm oh, doing walk and walk. Yes. So, so these great. kinds of things are are going to because I've done so many different types of of mindfulness work and practice mm-hmm. over thirty years mm-hmm. that I'm aware that that we while we need to train ourselves. The yeah. training also needs to bend to be workable for us. And and well, people can start anywhere. Well, that's great. And I, I'm so sorry to cut you off, but we are out of time. But I mm-hmm. think that's a really nice way to wrap up, that it's really accessible to everyone. And it's not something that they need a lot of time to do, and it can bring great benefit. So, Amy, thank you so much for being my guest today. And I hope you'll come back and visit us again. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. So next week, my guest will be Carol Sanford, and we'll be discussing reinventing your business to be a game changer. So you won't want to miss this. For a full description of next week's show and other upcoming shows, as well as access to all past shows and guest bios, please visit www.quantumbusinessinsights.com. I'm your host, Olivia Parrud, saying thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights, and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parr-Rood, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.